Hey, it's Jeff. This is a bonus episode of Let's Talk About Sets. That means I recorded it before Harrison became the permanent co-host. It took me some time to figure out the structure and the technicals of the show, and Sandeep Sen helped me out with that. He's a good friend and a fantastic comic, and I think these bonus episodes are funny. I think they're engaging, and you cannot beat the price you paid for them. Enjoy. Stand-up comic joke it up one time. Funny. Welcome to the Let's Talk About Sets podcast. I am Sandeep Sen. With me is Jeff McBride. Uh, we're going to start the show up top playing a little clip with Bill Burr, and then uh, we're going to talk with uh, Patrick Holbert in the studio. So, I got a girlfriend, man. I watch a, lot of, uh, watch a lot of TV with her, you know? I just annoy the hell out of her. She loves watching the Oprah Winfrey show, and I love, like, watching her watch the Oprah Winfrey show. <laughs> And I wait for Oprah to say something stupid, and the second she does, I just take it out on my girl, because I'm an asshole. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> no, we were watching it the other day. You know, Oprah's on there. She's interviewing some clam, you know. And uh, <laughs> she's giving her this big, ridiculous intro. Like, she's done this, she's done that, she's done this, and she does the most difficult job on the planet. She's the mother and continues on immediately. I just look at my girlfriend like, like really? Being a mother is the most difficult job on the planet. Oh yeah, all those mothers who die every year from black lung, from inhaling all that coal dust. (laughs) The women are just constantly patting themselves on the back about how difficult their lives are and no one corrects them because they want to fuck them. So there's just this tornado of, like, misinformation. I had the most difficult job on the planet. What would you rather be doing? Drilling to the center of the earth, shaking hands with the devil. Every time there's a rumble in the ground, you wait for the whole thing to collapse down on top of you so they can write that folk song about you, you know? Would you rather be up in the sunshine, running around with a couple of toddlers that you can send to bed anytime you want on some sort of trumped-up charges, right? Because you want to have a drink and watch The Price is Right, you know what I mean? I couldn't believe it. It's the most difficult job on the planet. Oh, yeah. I thought roofing in the middle of July is a redhead. I thought that that was the... But these mothers are bending over at the waist, putting DVDs into DVD players. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. Dude, any job that you can do in your pajamas is not a difficult job. All right? Get break. Jesus Christ, you're 35 years old, playing hide-and-go-seek. You're living the dream. You're living the dream. No time card, no taxes. You're off the fucking grid. <laughs> Making popsicle stick houses. I mean, I'm... It's the most difficult job on the planet. 
Oprah's not even a mother. How the fuck would she know? <laughs> Unbelievable. Neither am I, but I, you know, think it kind of balances itself up. I don't know. Awesome. Uh, there's so much there. Uh- <laughs> Okay, uh, uh, our guest today is uh, Patrick Holbert. You know Patrick from his monthly stand-up comedy show called End of the Line in Astoria, Queens, and he also hosts the globally syndicated movie clip show called The Movie Loft. Yeah, hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? Welcome, it's Patrick. Great. It's great. That was such a great clip. Uh, Somebody here has good taste. Who picked that? Uh, that, was, that was my selection for the week. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you get to take so much credit for Bill Burr's work right yeah, there. Yeah, you know, uh, I, 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 I'm going to be like Donald Trump. Like, yeah, people are saying Bill Burr's a great comedian, and uh, I'm great for picking him. You're so discerning. Uh, I'm very discerning. I'm the most discerning comedian uh, there is. It's I'm, too bad other comedians aren't discerning. It's sad. <laughs> it's sad to watch them try. Yeah. Uh, all right, so I, as far as this, I mean, it's so funny. And I think that there's so many, like, classic, like, comedian things i think the most basic at its most basic level it's compare and contrast yes. and uh it just shows how like even like it's a very simple thing it's not yeah but like you know when done well it's it's i think that he, he compares to the jobs of, of motherhood to the job of all the other shitty jobs out there just hearing the juxtaposition of uh of you're building popsicle stick houses right next to the phrase you're off the grid mm-hmm. uh is so funny to me just the idea that uh just the concept of being off the grid and why people want to be off the grid and all that kind of stuff and placing that mom in a, in a, in an ideal situation to kind of do whatever she wants all day. Right. The, 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 there's a certain joy with when you're tackling or attacking something of uh, that you get with stand up. you don't get anywhere else, which is where you, people reward you for cherry picking and, and, and not being fair. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, yeah. well, I think that's an important thing is that you don't have to be fair in stand up. It's art. You don't have to have your airtight. It's I not struggle a legal with case. It so hard. Yeah, but I, you know yeah. what? It's interesting. Like, of course he's wrong. Like, of course, well, he's he's right in that being a mom on paper is probably not the hardest job in the world. But he uh, he's very very funny in in. Right. I mean, he's telling jokes. You know, they're mm-hmm. hilarious jokes about this topic, and he's chosen a point of view and. You can hear lots of women dying laughing in right. that clip. Right. You know? And and it's it, what what's fun about it is that I, I think one of the things that he does, Bill does Bill Burr does this so well, he will take the prevailing view, this sort of accepted view of a thing, and then he will be like, How can I how can I um a, make the complete opposite argument yeah and not fairly. It doesn't matter if it's fair, it matters if it's funny. Yeah, devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I think that, and that's another essence of because so there's compare and contrast, and then there's taking the taking a different point of view, and right. then and then and arguing your way out of it. And I think it's so great because you know, it, uh, being a mother is an incredibly important job, but it's not funny. It's not as funny to be like, oh, moms are great. That's right. just, I mean, com- comedians. It's not like things are great isn't just the best thing. But saying now saying that being a mom isn't the most difficult job in the world, and sometimes there's always exaggeration in the world, and comics just point out exaggeration and inconsistencies. Yeah. I think he did an amazing job of like, um, to your point of of, of heightening that contrast, uh, like um, comparing a guy d- um, dying in a coal mine, or versus like 
hanging out with your kids in the sunshine. Yeah, or or bending over at the waist to change the DVD. Yeah, and DVDs. The DVD player. And D- oh, so good. <laughs> uh, the other thing, the first thing I heard when listening to this clip uh, is how many open micers who are mimicking the Bill Burr cadence. Uh-huh. I was just like, oh, yeah, I've heard this voice just last night, like four or five people <laughs> trying to be, tag all their jokes with that weird inflection at the end. Uh, what inflection? I can't describe. I can't do it. I can't perform it. But the way Bill Burr will, uh, he kind of, ex- the exclamation point he puts on the end of some of his sentences uh, I wish I could describe. Here, it. I have the technology. Let me just let's see if I can. If it's we can, in like the first two or three sentences of this clip. So, I got a girlfriend, man. I watch a lot of uh, watch a lot of TV with her. You know, I just annoy the hell out of her. She loves watching the Oprah Winfrey Show, and I love like watching her watch the Oprah Winfrey Show. And I wait for Oprah to say something stupid. And the second she does, I just take it out on my girl because I'm an asshole. Because okay. yeah. I'm an asshole. That's what I do. Yeah, I see. Because I'm an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know? Uh, and, you know, I'd probably do it too yeah, with it, people I like. Wouldn't, would, that would be, uh, wasn't that, uh, who was the person who said, oh, yeah, Dan Cook was saying somebody stole his essence oh, at one yeah. point. Like, that's, that's his, that's uh, Bill Burr essence right there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to name names, but that's yeah, probably not a classy maybe, move. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, that's more work for me in post. Thanks, thanks, yeah. thanks, but no thanks. Um, I, I do like one of the things I was listening to too is, uh, um, there was uh, there were a couple moments where the audience clapped, and it's a this is a new word I heard. I think I heard it on a podcast, uh, which oh, was I heard uh, the same thing. Clapter. Yes, clapter. It, it was on the media, and it was I think it was on the media, and it was an SNL or no a Daily Show writer saying how much the writers are getting upset at political clapter mm-hmm. during their shows because they want laughs, not right. clapter. Right, clapter, which is, oh, yeah, I, I, I believe that thing that you just said. I'm, yes. I'm on that side of it. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I was listening to it. Now I'm super sensitive to clapter. I'm like, oh, I'm getting clapter here. I don't want that. Yeah. I necessarily want that. Oh, that's surprising. I mean, whenever I get clapter, I'm, I feel like it's a, it's, a, it's a level above regular laughter. Oh, it's really? really that's so you, for you... Um, it's, uh, so for you, you're like, yes, I've got them, um, believing the thing I want them to believe at the same time they're laughing about it. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's more than laughter. They're really like, they're really vibing with, with what they're saying. They're that agreeing. They have to, oh, they're, they're, for, they're, 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 their mind is forcing them to do even more than just regular laughter. There, there, there's a distinction here. Um, it, 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 they're particularly saying that when, um, they're playing to the sensibilities of the room, and the room already believes what they're talking about. And then they laugh and clap at the same time. It's like, hooray, um, they're on my side. Yeah. Not, not, oh my God, that's so good. Now I'm clapping because it was so good. Also, the difference? Okay. also a true uh, gut belly, bu- belly busting laugh is totally involuntary. Clapping is, yes, I agree with this person. I will now consciously mm-hmm. clap. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to mm-hmm. move my arms like this. Right, uh, right. No, That's in this clip, Bill Burr got the clapter for the premise that being a mother isn't the most interesting job. So I bet he turned a lot people of dudes, over, right? I bet that was a lot of men clapping. Probably. You can't tell a gender clap. <laughs> it sounded like men clapping. Yeah. It really did. It was very masculine, that, yeah. the, the staccato. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like heft to it. It was like strong. There were <laughs> a lot of calluses in there. <laughs> so um, I, I think the... Uh, the other the 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 button on that 
um, or the closing line of that is she's not even a mother. <laughs> uh, I wonder if that's like the beginning of that bit. Screw her. She's not even a mother. That kind of weirdly hypocritical, like, what do you know? And then backtracking from there. Right, right, right. I, I almost wonder if that's what it was. Well, that or or was it two bits that were different? Because the, the premise of I take out stuff that frustrates me about women on TV on my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. That's a great that's a great premise. Right. And that probably existed separately from Oprah's not even oh, a mom. Yeah. And then maybe. Yeah. Then, it, then together they. Yeah. He put them together. And he also uses that to bail himself out at the end mm -hmm. when he says, she's not even a mom. What but is neither she? Am I Big applause doubt, break. Yeah. And then he's able to say, neither am I. But he's actually a, a grandmaster, I think, of um, continually reminding people that he is just a dunce. Yeah. Um, and, and every time people start to be like, yay, you're leading us somewhere. He's like, fuck you. I don't read. Uh, the fuck it, do I know? Yeah. He's really, really good at, at, at putting himself back in the underdog position. Yeah. I think he's brilliant for doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with his words and his whole, like, his persona is very uh, underdog, which mm -hmm. lets you get away with saying a lot of stuff. I think right. in comedy and the, can't the, act superior. He's smart. Cause like the, the, the moment that you, he, they end up in that superior thing, it becomes even more divisive than he already is. Cause then you start having people who are being like, you're not my leader. You, what do you know? What do you yeah. think you're trying to tell me? Yeah. Nobody wants to be condescended to. I, I, I would say there are certain comedians that their whole thing is they condescend. Like, like, like Jerry Seinfeld would be a great example. Yeah. yeah. But he, he knows how to make it clear that we're telling jokes here. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. I've sat through some condescending sets where I'm like, this guy thinks he's delivering a TED talk <laughs> and it's not funny. And I feel, feel judged by him from the stage. Dude, I've had know? to learn not to do that. Like, like been like, Oh, I think I'm right about something. And then I go on stage and I'm so right. And then I, and then I realize, Oh, no one's laughing. Cause I'm fucking being right about something. Yeah. And that means yeah. they're wrong. Like, yeah. wow, this is really fun and funny. I'm so, I'm glad. I'm glad <laughs> it was, it's so, I, I, it's, I've, Tried my best to root that out. Yeah. Um. Uh. Well, let's talk a little bit about Patrick. Yeah. Let's uh, talk a lot about Patrick. Let's just soak it up right now. Let's oh do that. God. We're gonna play I, I, a few I, I, clips from uh, that Patrick has selected a little later. But uh, uh, Patrick, how did you get into comedy? I uh, got into comedy. Did an open mic in uh, the summer of 2000 in Times Square. I was interning at VH1 as a freshman in college. And I knew I wanted to be a stand-up comedian ever since I was a kid. And uh, did it once there and three or four other times at college. Realized it was too hard. Uh, so I, uh, I quit. And now I'm back three years, or two and a half years back. Back uh, on the horse. After a long break. Also, also I mean, you know, 9-11. 9-11 happened. Yeah, was, that was a uh, big... The other thing, I got like, distracted with... Uh, alcohol for about 10 years. If uh, you didn't get back to comedy, the terrorists win. Yes, exactly. Uh, this, I, I'm a patriot. I'm a patriot. I'm a, I'm, I'm a government man. I, I just want to help America. You have a great complexion for a former alcoholic, I must say. Well, that's what happens when you're a former alcoholic. Things get better. Uh, <laughs> active, if I was active, I would be a very, uh, very bloated, sweaty person right now, probably. <laughs> I think the key is you quit early enough that your natural youthful body could repair itself. I quit when most addicts die. I quit at 27. Oh, good. So you, yeah. had, like, you had like eight good years of youth. Yeah. It was, I think the, I did the math. It was nine. Nine, nine years of drinking pretty hard. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so then, yeah. Uh, what was, um, like, uh, do you think 
how would it influence you today if you were still boozing it up and trying to do, do comedy? I would be one of those guys uh, who just created a trail of um, not destruction, but uh, a trail of like hurt feelings of um, probably sleeping with people I shouldn't sleep with and saying things too honestly to or about people that I should keep to myself. Mm. I was just thinking last night, actually, at around two in the morning, I went out uh, after a mic with some people to a bar. And had a great time just like kind of riffing in a booth, bullshitting. And uh, as I was walking home, I realized if I were drunk during that, that would have been the time where I shit talked everybody from from the night's mics. I would have been just very just oversharing about the way I really feel about people uh, in an inappropriate way. What do you do with all the vitriol and hate that you keep inside you? I'm trying to pour it into the art because <laughs> it's hard, man. It Oh, God. Uh, yeah, it's got to be put into the art or de- it's got to be dealt with because I actually I was very frustrated early la- yesterday evening and uh, I eat a lot of ice cream. <laughs> ice cream helps. Uh, but I, I, I went to a meeting between some mics and it like totally reset my brain and I was like, oh, shit, like. I need to do that more often. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should start going to, do they let non-alcoholics into AA meetings? I can just make up some shit. Like, yeah, uh, I used to drink too. I can't believe you're a psychiatrist. Psychologist? Psychiatrist. Oh, he's a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Uh, well, in my world, I, I know there's a lot of uh, science that says otherwise. It, we consider it once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Uh, I'm not an active one. Uh, I'm a sober one, but uh, I still got to go. For sure, for the brain stuff. It's not about drinking anymore. It's more like, anyway, I don't want to monopolize this conversation about this stuff. Yeah, we already said uh, your last name, so it's not like a typical Well, we meeting. haven't said what meetings I go to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, all right. Well, I, I do think it's, I just do think it's fascinating because um, in the, just in the comedy world, there's um, booze is so pre- prevalent. Yeah. And I just happen to not like it. Yeah, particularly, and so I don't drink very often, like very rarely. And then also, like I get so freaking depressed. Yeah, and I don't have that gift, that beautiful gift that so many comedians have, which is the more depressed I get, the funnier I get. Oh uh, yes, like, yeah. it doesn't happen to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, God, what a nightmare it would be. I, it's I, I I do envy guys who can. Who can dr- have have some, and they're funnier when they're a little bit drunk right, or right, whatever. Right, right, uh, right. I, yeah, but we all have our own path, right? I, we do, we do. <laughs> and if you look, and if you look beside you, you can see some other footprints. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, I'd like to give you guys some pamphlets uh, <laughs> while we're here. Oh, uh, all right. Now, so you got back into comedy? Yeah. Uh, after doing improv. Uh, a little improv. Uh, so I worked in TV production behind the camera for like 12 or 13 years. And, uh, I hit a wall in that world. Uh, it's a lot of workaholism and a lot of long hours and a lot of bleak, uh, subject matter. And I just like hit this wall and I was like, I need to have fun. I need to get back to performing. When you say bleak subject matter, what do you mean? Uh, I worked in a lot of pop culture stuff. The last thing I shot was a, a documentary, and I put documentary in air quotes about young people who are famous on the internet. Uh, and I actually really liked one of the stories we worked on, but one of them was about a kid who's Instagram famous. Mm. Uh, so I spent six months of my life um, living and breathing by when this kid was going to call or text me to tell me something interesting was happening in his life. And that's when we would fly down to Waco, Texas to film with this kid. 
my life was run by 16-year-old children oh, in certain parts oh. uh, of my life. Uh, oh. And when that show aired, one of the subjects hated it. And it's it weird. I bet you probably whole... thought you, you, you hit bottom before. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting point. I, I definitely... It's crazy how uh, you can hit... You, you learn to perceive bottoms in other areas of your life. And uh, I yeah. was in a professional bottom. I, I had this realization, like, I've been lying to myself about what I really wanted to do. And if I don't change this now, I'm going to walk in front of a bus. So I went to improv. And then I met a stand-up. And then I went to a mic. Fell in love with... And I, was, I, I finally grew the balls to commit to stand-up for real. Mm. Ooh. And we're glad you did. Yeah. yeah. Now that brought you here. Now your seminal moment, breakout yeah. moment. This feels huge. This is great. Yeah. And I'm talking about oh, Jeff's penis huge. in my hand right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, I, I, wish, I wish that I could get hard. I think <laughs> if you could talk me off a little, it, yeah. it would help. Well, um, I'm looking at one of your cats sniffing their own ass right now. Uh, in a sleep position. Does that turn you on? Um, especially the sort of sultry tone you use to describe it. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, I definitely, yeah, I'm feeling that. Good. Um, okay, I just came. Nice. All right, All right. now that on. seems like a, that's a good time to move on. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect break point. Uh, uh, Patrick, what was the first uh, clip that you selected? So I brought to show and tell a Mark Norman clip from his late show, or no, it's a Conan set. Uh, where he talks about PC culture. And uh, I love how he has a lot of silly fun with, uh, with this conundrum we have as comedians. Great. Let's hear it and talk about it. All right. And uh, sorry if I offend anybody. You know, I'm trying to be more PC. I'm not good with the PC. You know, I find it very phony. You know, you, you know PC's phony because you never use it in an emergency. There's too many syllables. The words would take too long, you know? People are hurt. You got to help them. You don't have time to be progressive. You got to be quick. Like if you saw a Chinese guy get into a car accident, run over a black guy, you can't be like, oh my God, officer, come quick. It's been a terrible tragedy. An Asian American man got into a car accident. Not because they're bad drivers. (laughs) (laughs) He ran over an African American gentleman who was crossing the street slowly. Not because they do that. uh, (laughs) You got to come quick. The guy's really hurt. He's drowning in a pool of his own blood. Not because they can't swim. uh, (laughs) Thanks a lot. I'm Mark Norman. You guys are great. I just, I just, I, like, even listening to it now isolated outside of the full set, I realize how simple the joke writing is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's not simple. That's very tight joke writing. But uh, the number of words he uses is so low. Uh, but in the context of the entire set, it feels like a very big piece. But it's, it's crazy how short that bit is. Uh, but I, I just think it's so funny because... Um, this is a challenge we all have right now is how to how to be funny about people who are different from ourselves. And Mark Norman is one of the whitest people on the planet. But I think he pulls that off. And I think it's oh, sure. I think it's a funny bit. They're good jokes. I mean, I, I read that uh Mark Norman said to himself, I want to be the best joke writer that yeah. that was like his major, major goal. Um and I've listened to Mark Norman's uh, album a number of times trying to dissect and figure out how the fuck he does it yeah i don't i still don't get it yeah. I, I it's like it's the strangest thing i can do all kinds of different kinds of stand-up but just flat out joke writing like that is just beyond me yeah like a magic trick i feel like every time the closer i get i'm like I feel like i'm trying to touch my elbow with my fingers like a, a, on the same hand just like I, I can't i can't get there yeah 
Well, this one, I guess he comes up with the a premise, and then the whole thing is in the act out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, because you can't describe stuff, you know, with, with using the culture properly. Right. So that's a, it's, it's like a, it's a complicated uh, premise, but then it like leads to a lot of fun yeah, act think, outs that he did. I think yeah, once hard. once he had the realization that there's too many syllables in PC correct language, uh, I guess that was redundant in PC language. Uh, there's a funny joke there. I yeah. mean, the the premise is is, is what it's that um, that it's not actually important because you wouldn't use it in an emergency. Is that is that what he said? Yeah, it, it's it's not imp- the word is important. That you, kn- you know, it's phony. You know, PC is phony ah. because you would never use PC language in an emergency. Right. So really, the thing that he's that he's use- saying is he's saying, but I guess with phony, he's going okay. Uh, PC language is pretentious it's not something you would really use for anything important because what's more important than an emergency uh and so there's this sort of like the sort of bridge the logical bridge yeah. for this joke yeah and, like language is about communication and pc is, is it ruins language because it's it ruins communication yeah what what yeah you talked about the bridge there's a seinfeld quote where he's like uh you know when you're, you're telling a joke you're 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 asking the audience to jump from one cliff to another, like across a across a crevasse, or something. But the trick is, yeah, is they can't be too close because they're gonna get the joke before you say it, and it's not gonna be that surprising to them. But it can't be so far away that nobody's gonna take that leap with you. But if it's just the right distance, mm-hmm. it's really fun to make that jump with right. the comedian as an audience. Right, right, right. I, I think also there's like a um a thrill factor. Like there's a like like can if it's too far away then you fall into the abyss yeah, of it right exactly if it's too close there's no thrill yeah there's no like it, it, like like there's no risk involved right uh yeah and and I think I think um this is a common theme for Mark Norman too he this is one of his the, yeah his primary uh, uh topics is PC culture and um that uh. We can't talk about our differences without people freaking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's I, I'm inspired by the I, want, uh, I can't think of a better word, but like the seriousness of the top the mm-hmm. subject matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the 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 really light, fun joke writing around it. He has another thing going for him too. Um, his voice. Yeah. Is so hey, if you like, if it works for you, what's interesting is under the YouTube comments, uh, several people are like, Oh man, this guy's got to drop the radio announcer voice, mm-hmm. uh, but he actually talks like that, yeah. And it's like, What are you gonna do? You know, it's yeah. like part of the his DNA. Well, look at like, I mean, I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately. A lot of um, really, really, really good stand ups have a stand up voice they use and then they have their regular voice, yeah. Like uh, Dave Chappelle is a perfect example. Yeah, Dave Chappelle does not talk like that. Damn, yeah. damn, see, like he doesn't yeah. do that. He's like he's really sort of like talks like this when he's yeah. off, and you hear him in an interview, and uh, it, that's how he really talks. Yeah. But on stage, it's barrel. Yeah, bam, bam. I've had to tone down my very presentational sounding voice on stage. Yeah. Uh, but with with Norman, and I, I think there's a stand up cadence too. Like when you do when you do start writing things more economically, I think it's like, uh, so here's a fun idea I'm gonna talk about. You know when 
that thing happens and everybody's freaked out by it. Punchline number one. Punchline number two. Tag number one. Wait for the laughter. Tag number three. And then loop back to the top. Right. And it's like a very... And what I watched Mark Normand fucking dismantle a room at Eastville for some fundraiser show. There was, it was packed. It was the only time I've ever seen Eastville actually packed every seat. <laughs> right. He did 25 minutes and all of his jokes are that tight. And uh, everyone was laughing the entire time. Mm-hmm. I, as a, as a, I was shooting photos and as a comedian, I, was, I fell into a bit of a hypnosis. I became hypnotized by his rhythm Mm -hmm. and I was laughing at things I found funny because it was totally funny. But I also spent a lot of time trying to remember to keep listening because I kept getting hypnotized by the rhythm. Yes. And uh, Patrice O'Neill says that, that said that he was like, he said that um, he's like, ah, he's like, kill. He's killing. It's just about all it is i mean of course he's oversimplifying it i don't think you could do it with just rhythm you probably need some jokes yeah 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 but um but that's what he said killing is all about rhythm yeah yeah god i i don't know um do you think that there is a universal cadence or do you think that um that that everyone finds their own i think you everybody finds their own but there's a lot of overlap like you know brian st relco no uh, he's the guy that comes to my mic, and he's been getting, I assume, I, I saw him at LOL late night one night, and I assume he's been working there a lot in the, just the last year. So when I first met him, he was always funny, but uh, just recently, he, he took the stage and just was in this, like, in this cadence of, like, a professional stand-up. And I was like, oh, shit, that's what four spots in one club a night will will do for you. It'll mm-hmm. just, like, make your material so tight that it's just, like, Simple, 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 funny, simple, 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 funny. You know, like mm-hmm. you, you find that like just really rhythmic thing. Uh, right. I, don't, I don't know the answer to that question. Though. Yeah, I don't know either. I just I, 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 I struggle with it. Sometimes there, there are days where I feel the rhythm. Yeah. Like I just have it. It's just there. And it's ready for me to just grab and apply. And other times I have zero. I have no rhythm. And I don't know. Like, like I don't have, there's no cadence. Yeah. Well, it also depends on the room too. Like if you're getting laughs, it's like easy to pair back because you can take a moment to think about, all right, what's the first syllable I'm going to use for this next thing I'm going to say. But when the room is dead and nobody's listening or whatever, then you end up just like talking in circles because you want to fill that dead air. Uh, well, that's what I do. It's like, I, I feel, I want to fill the dead air and it just ruins, ruins the rhythm. It's mm-hmm. like, it makes it all messy. Uh, let's move on to your the bit that uh, you picked for that you performed. Sure. Uh, anything you want to say about it before we play it? I will say it's a it's a conceptual thing, uh, uh, and that um, what were we talking about before that it reminds me of? Um, yeah, I guess it's it's one of those things. That, well, I've had this I, is not finished, right? No, it's a work in progress, and I've had conversations with people, like, a lot of people are like, that's my favorite bit. Like, just last night, this girl said, I hope you do that bit. I brought a friend, and I think that's the funniest thing you do. Mm-hmm. And I've had other people say, where the fuck are you ever going to do this bit? Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So, I guess just, just listen. All right. Um, okay, maybe a little less commanding in that? You know, it's not your podcast? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> Yeah, I got, I got the motorcycle because even with this really cool beard, I'm still not trying hard enough. <laughs> I love that fucking thing. Uh, 
And, and like, I, I think I got it, well, I have major overcompensation issues, first of all, uh, and I thought I wanted to impress chicks, but uh, it's weird, I impress children more often. <laughs> it's kids who like it, and that's weird, because I'll, I'll come to a stoplight, and like, uh, you know, if there's like a kid like on the corner with mom or dad, they're waiting to cross, they, they just stop dead in their tracks, and they're transfixed by this machine, you know? So I'll rev it up real loud, and the thing's, I don't know, it's making a weird noise right now, like, and I'll go, vroom, vroom, and then it'll go, this guy's a total poser, vroom. <laughs> and the kids will hear that, and they're like, oh my god, that's amazing. And it's these moments, these, like, it's pure joy between me and that kid, because, like, I'm impressing them, they're so into me, and it's, like, it's, it's brief, and it's fleeting, but it's, it's powerful, and on some level... It makes me almost understand pedophilia. <laughs> She's freaked out. The only healthy person in the room. The rest of you are like, I wonder where the laughs are going to come next. She's like, call the authorities. There's someone endangering the neighborhood. Of course, I don't want to fuck kids. Let's get that on the table. But when I'm on that motorcycle, there's something kind of nice about knowing that I could. <laughs> it's so real, the attraction is real. Like, it feels good when a person is into you. You know how it feels. I mean, look at you with that bang, that sweet bang. So sexy, red lip tonight, that awesome jewelry. This feels good, right? Now picture me if I was nine. <laughs> no, so these moments, they happen, and of course I don't want to fuck the kid, but I don't know, I'm just spitballing here, but I do wonder why uh, child molesters are still driving those creepy old vans. They should just get bikes. <laughs> they could get a basket on front, fill it with candy. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it just be perfect, though? You get that little sidecar. Put the kid right in there. Get pulled over by the cops. They're like, what do you do with this kid in the sidecar with no helmet? That's not safe. Oh, this kid's not safe. <laughs> Sick fucks up here. I like it. This is a fun show. Uh, all right, I'm going to retreat away from that bit. Oh, Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. Uh, so am I in trouble with this uh, is the question. <laughs> well, look, I mean, first of all, I think it's, I just want to like say kudos to you for, um, you know, uh, coming out like this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, like really like that, that takes balls. Here's what um, I, I know. Tiny little children's balls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's, here's where I would, I would say, uh, to continue the metaphor of your joke, uh, I'm coming out as not a pedophile, but as a person desperate for the attention right. and admiration of anyone, anyone. and everyone. Any, yeah. Yeah. Right. And not right. discriminating. Right. If that right. happens to be children, right. Right. Yes. you'll take it. I right. will bask in that right. glory. Right. Right. And, 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 and totally. What I love... Okay. So I love bits like this because um, my pet... Theory, and it's not complicated or all that interesting, but I'm going to say it anyway, is just that um, there's always a battle between offensive and funny. 
Yeah. And um, it's kind of like the um, like the like a, what's the, the high bar hurdle? What do they call it in, in Olymp- the Olympics? The pole vault. Yes. Pole vault. So um, like if 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 somebody's a pole vaulter and the and the bar is set real low and they vault over it, you're like, okay, good, you can pole vault. Yeah. But when it's really high and you're like, oh shit, I don't know if they're gonna make it, and they just fucking make it. People go crazy. Yeah. Because it's just that difficult. That's, and that's such a great what, analogy. That's what. Thank you. And that's what. Um. That's what offensive humor is like. Yeah. You'll get a bigger laugh and a harder, deeper gut laugh because you're a making people laugh against their beliefs a lot of the time, and b. Uh, because they don't know, are you going to do it? Yeah. Can you yeah. do it? Can you make this funny? Yeah. And the it, risk, the risk reward yeah, ratio or something. Right. And so what, like for uh, my, my, what made me start thinking about this was, uh, with, um, Chris Rock at the Oscars, um, yeah. he did this bit where it was, it was just this silly bit where he brought Asian kids out on stage and was, and, and made some joke about how they're smart and whatever, and they're supposed to do it. But anyway, it was a shitty bit and people complained about it and they said it was super offensive and 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 what but that, that wasn't the problem the problem isn't that it's offensive the problem was it wasn't funny, funny enough, enough. Yes. to clear the bar yeah well here's the thing so go to that pole vault event who were in the stands is it is it uh comedians who appreciate the athleticism of comedy mm-hmm. or is it the general population uh-huh. because uh so what i wanted to talk one of the things i wanted to bring up is like this bit Comics fucking love it. Ah, comics yeah. want to mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. where the new mm-hmm. beats are, yeah. how I'm yep. approaching it now, like how, where I've tightened it up. Comics get a, a boner over this me talking about wanting to fuck kids. Uh, <laughs> probably it's a great way to phrase that. Yeah. <laughs> well, except once I I did take it to an open mic and I've bombed with it bad at some mm-hmm. open mics uh, where the time wasn't long enough for the joke to pay off. Mm-hmm. So like. But or one night I did an open mic and a woman got up on stage after me and used her three minutes to scold me mm-hmm. for going toward this right. subject matter because sure. yeah. she she had in fact been raped as a child. Okay, uh, and she used even at one point she used the phrase multiple times, um, and that was a that was a great thing for me to hear actually because I need to be aware there are audiences there are people who will be in a comedy audience who have had these experiences, and thank God. Like when she was on stage and she was scolding me in front of a room full of comics, I like wanted to lash out. I wanted to defend myself from my chair. I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted to get into it with her. Uh, Thank God I did not. Um, I hung around the place for a while and we were able to have a conversation with, uh, with Mo. This was at the X. uh, And we, the three of us stood in a, in a corner and we chat, and we had like an actual real human converse. conversation. Mm-hmm. Like she didn't go home and Facebook about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't go home and Facebook about it. And I made it clear to her that I don't, I don't ever want to harm somebody or trigger somebody with my material. Like people probably would be triggered by this, but it's not my intention to like make somebody's life worse. It's a, it's collateral damage, if anything. Yeah. Uh, And it's like, that's a good question. That's a good phrase for me to think about. Like, do I even want to be responsible for For collateral collateral damage? damage? Like, Mm -hmm. how important is this bit? And how important is it for me to say, like, yeah, I like attention? I think this subject comes up a lot is like what. And I I just I can't disagree more when people say some things you can't joke about. The whole idea of comedy is 
the whole first I, i'm a psychiatrist and i mean the humor freud described humor as a defense as a mature defense mechanism it's the way that our brain copes with tragedy and things mm -hmm. that are bad mm -hmm. if there are things that are bad in the world by definition there is funniness in there that's that's how humor even that's one of the main reasons humor even exists to, it's in to our in our culture release, and in our release and a swatish pain so yeah. I, I just don't buy the premise that things can't joked about because it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist and that it, that people don't take it seriously yeah it's just not mutually exclusive in my book and i hate when when it, it, it starts going there um john stewart said just to your to your point john uh, john stewart has a great quote i love which he's like somebody's like well are there anything is there anything that's off limits and he goes well is there anything that's off limits in life right right that yeah. the whole thing yeah. of art is that art it imitates it's it's about making commentary on things that happen in life this mm -hmm. is exactly the point if it happened if if child if if this fact that people fucking children if that exists in the world then yes it can be it used must in be comedy made fun of now yeah. the thing is there there has to be some nuance i mean are we really just such a knee-jerk society where we have to say these stupid black and white rules clearly hearing your joke you're not saying there's nothing like, hey, it's not that bad, or hey, I, I'm attracted to kids, guys. I mean, it's clearly like that's not the point well, of the yeah. joke. So what you're bumping up against there too is um, a an underlying belief that I have a right to not be offended. Yeah, and that there's an underlying belief that I have a right to control what's around me so that I don't get triggered. And 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 I'm not saying that that, sh that there isn't some validity to okay please be aware of this yeah but i do think that there's this there's this entitlement of like if i'm offended enough about your attempt to make me laugh yeah <laughs> then i uh, then you're wrong right right which i don't know that that's what she mm. was saying uh she was probably saying you don't get it well i think she was saying you're You've got to make it much. She, she gave, there were some cheap shots in her diatribe. She was like, if you're going to go for this, at least have some fucking punchlines. And I think, uh -huh. I, I think I did a shitty rendition of mm, the joke. Because okay, as we it. know. You didn't clear the fucking bar. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I didn't get over the bar. And, uh, but you were at a mic in that situation. Yeah, I was at a mic. I mean, that's where you get the yeah. punchlines, honey. That's where you get, like, yeah. the, um, that's where you get it better. That's where you're, yeah. you need to work on it. You said something that I really, by the way, first of all, I want to just say like, Way to go to, to <laughs> talk to her and um, actually be brave enough to like hear her side. Yeah, I had to that yeah. in-person conversation. Uh, I mean, at, by the end of it, we all said, Jesus, this would have been a great podcast. But uh, it felt sorry. I cut well, you off. Well, well just like, so that you um, to be brave enough to do that. That's awesome on a, like a personal level. And just want to give you props for that. But um, from a professional standpoint, Something I've been trying to do when people don't like a joke that I'm doing or they say it's not funny or particularly in conversation, if I'm like sneaking one in and trying it out on a girlfriend or friend or whatever, um, that I used to get upset when people didn't like the thing that I thought was funny. And now I go, oh, wait, that's my compass pointing true mm. north. And I ask them, why wasn't it funny? Mm. What bothered you about it? Yeah. Tell me, tell me what you wish it would have been. Yeah. Like, and, and then all of a sudden it tells me the weakness of the, of the bit. Yeah. It yeah. teaches me what I'm doing wrong here because yeah. ultimately I want everybody to be able to laugh at it. Yeah. And if I just dismiss them as you don't have a good sense of humor, you don't get it. I'm fucking up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, 
maybe she's a resource for me because I've I've done that at a couple shows and one in particular I remember a table with a couple near the front they were like right in front of me and they'd been enjoying the whole show they'd been somewhat enjoying the beginning of my set and then I started this bit and all of a sudden their eyes just went to the floor mm. they wouldn't look at me uh, and I did clear the bar, especially for the comics hanging out in the back of the room. Right. I was getting big laughs from back there, but this couple just wouldn't look at me. But they call that playing to the back <sighs> of the room. And I, 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 I let's dig. I want to dig into that for just a second. It made me think of something. Like you're, what's happening when you're playing to the back of the room is you're pushing the sensibilities of of because because you need there needs to be a little bit of surprise, a little bit of shock, and so on to make comedians laugh. And our comedy calluses grow the more comedy we hear. We've yeah. just heard it. And um, whereas a normie, uh, a, a civilian, yeah, they don't they don't listen to it all day every fucking day. Right, they right. go to their jobs, and, and funny to them is is Bob walks over and he's got a paperclip on his nose, like yeah. and, and fine, but yeah. like. They don't. They haven't been through what we've been through to right. to, to to now. It just takes more. Yeah. And so it's almost like um, it's almost like you're putting uh, uh you're putting a junior high school flag football kid in a, a varsity level high school and say catch the fucking ball, yeah. go run, yeah. and they're like ah I don't know like it's, it's so it's teaching you if we listen to that. It's teaching you, like, I have to ease into this a little better. Yeah. I have to find a way to make this more palatable. Or if I'm going to go to a really crazy, offensive place, yeah. I have to get there more deftly. They it's have gotta to go be, with me every step. Got to be kid-friendly. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to I, put on your kid gloves. <laughs> but uh, what I wanted to say about that couple who didn't, who didn't like, say anything after the show or anything, like, they were fine, uh... But maybe they did have an experience like that, and maybe I could talk to this co comedian to say, "How do I? Is there a way to, if someone's triggered, to build in a joke that acknowledges that, uh, and also sets everyone at ease?" But I don't know. If that might be sniffing up the wrong tree. I also. guess ultimately, it seems like the joke is about your insecurity and your need for uh, yeah. for uh, people to praise you and people yeah. to like you. And by Which the way, I think is a very human thing. That's the joke. It's not really about yeah uh, about child molestation. And I've also I've also been toying with making the guy on the motorcycle not me anymore. Mm -hmm. Like making it uh, a buddy of mine. He he says he loves how impressed kids are with his him and his motorcycle. He is one sidecar away from being a pedophile. Like I've been toying mm -hmm. with that, but it, it feels you can try less, it, but it doesn't. It feels less authentic because. Uh, you know, you could do that. I mean, that's a legitimate choice. Um, but I do. I almost feel like it removes so much risk from the joke. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I loved the line. My favorite line in that, by the way, was um, I don't want to fuck kids, but there's something nice about knowing that I could. <laughs> and it's splitting that hair right there. Yeah. That makes this joke. I think that makes this bit. It's yeah. that that's the turning point in the joke of like. This this guy is all is talking about narcissism and it has yeah. nothing to do with <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing is just for any listeners, I'm working toward making this bit end with a pedophile on a motorcycle dying in a fiery crash. So there should be justice served <laughs> by the end of the joke. Oh, that's what everybody wants in their jokes: justice. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get to our final bit that uh we're gonna discuss uh, okay this is a this is a bit of mine 
uh, all right. Well, I'm a psychiatrist, and uh, you can play the bit, and we'll talk about it. Afterwards. All right. I actually used to enjoy my job until ADD became a thing. Everyone know what ADD is in here? Yeah. Yeah. It stands for Americans Disguising Dumbness. You guys familiar with this? <laughs> yeah. Anyone have ADD here? No. Yeah. Okay. I would feel bad that I'm going to make fun of you, but you're not going to be paying attention. <laughs> Fucking hate ADD. I hate ADD because suddenly it became my problem that everyone else's kid sucks at school. I have all these parents yelling at me, Braden's still doing bad in math. What are you going to prescribe next? How about different parents? <laughs> I think two Chinese parents will clear this right up. <laughs> subject, but Americans use nine-tenths of the entire world's prescription ADD medicines like Adderall. Like, real diseases don't have GPS. It's not like ADD's in your brain going, are we in China? Okay, I'll focus. Wait, now we're in Queens? Oh, look, balloon. Like, the condition exists in one place. That's culture. It's not a disease. Like, if a girl has hairy armpits, we don't say she has a hairy armpit disease. We call her French. <laughs> Americans use nine-tenths of the Adderall. Like, this is why Asian countries are kicking our ass. You know what Indian Adderall is? The back of your dad's hand. <laughs> Son, are you having trouble paying attention? How about now? <laughs> Still having trouble? Well, let's double the dose. <laughs> Side effects may include headache. <laughs> All right, guys, you've been great. Uh, you've been great That's great. I Thank love you. that. Like mapping, mapping. Uh, there's so many, so much mapping you do. I, I love jokes like that where you take a very real example of something and then you map like weird emotional stuff on top of it. Like I like taking the concrete and putting like, like soft stuff all over it. Okay, can you elaborate that? Yeah, like, uh, like. Uh, what God, I don't want to compare it to one of my own things, but just talking about medications and then you get into, uh, helicopter moms and tiger moms, the Chinese thing, and then your own relationship with your own dad, which I, I'm assuming is about your own dad, but it might be about Indian culture and parenting. Uh, it's a mashup of all those of are it. very um, actually emotional things that you're mapping onto this, for the like, listeners. Um, Sandeep is Indian. Um, I, yeah. I, I don't know if that was clear, uh, but I just, I just want to make sure everybody understands <laughs> uh, that he's, he's super Indian. Yeah, they, well, they can smell it. Made from it. parts from lesser Indians. <laughs> <laughs> it's a top cast. <laughs> but yeah, like, I like that he mapped all that emotional stuff over very funny jokes about a concrete subject like prescribing medication. Uh, I appreciate that. This, uh, this bit is, like, is kind of special to me because this is the first comedy bit that I, that I actually wrote where I was angry about something and I didn't find it funny. Um, and I, 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 this one has, I, I try to do that more now, but certainly when I was like starting out more earlier, I would find something funny and then think something's funny mm -hmm. and try to write a bit about yeah. it. Uh, but I'm like, let me start talking about things I, I really care about. You can hear the passion, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then that's, I think that's one thing is when you do talk about things that you care about, the, the passion makes it easier for the audience to, find something funny it's so it's so important to have that i didn't i didn't know that i mean that's something i've learned from doing comedy is that 
I think when I think there's an idea when you haven't started doing comedy is that comics are too cool for school and that kind of character gets laughs. But I learned that's the exact opposite: is that you have to have a real emotion and real, yeah, um, real commitment to your bit, and that's what people find funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. brings us back to improv. It's all about basing something in reality and real emotion, and then it'll organically be funny. Um, and, and I think one of the things you do really well there is you're angry with joy, and it, and that is hard. That is hard, yeah. but you are joyfully angry about this thing. And I, I, I know that um, one of the things that I, I did a lot when I first started, I still do it sometimes, is I'm angry without joy. <laughs> 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 and people are like, oh, he's really upset. And it, it's angry with, with cynicism. Yeah, angry with cynicism, angry with just like frustration, just like uh, anger with a side of rage. Um, hefty dose. <laughs> So like, but but here you you're you're angry about this thing, but it's so joyful uh, throughout. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 I also, uh, anytime you can pull up the curtain behind something you know a lot about, mm. a lot more about than the audience does, you can do that in a non condescending way. It's like let me let me let you in on this crazy stat. I'm a professional psychiatrist and nine-tenths of the world's Adderall gets taken by Americans. Whatever that is, if I'm in the audience, I'm already leaning forward because right. I'm like, holy shit, that's, yeah. ama- that's insane, first mm-hmm. of all. Now, what is, how is he going to make me laugh about this? Oh, that's great to know that that's the reaction that you have or that's someone. Yeah, I'm because I, I don't know like what people think about. ADD. I think people are compelled by anything. They don't they want to they're like, oh, I'm going to learn something and laugh at as something. long as they don't think you're trying to teach them. Right. If it's like a side effect, if they think you're trying to teach them something, they resist it like crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I just, I just keep this. <laughs> Just keep talking about all the things I do wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely do that sometimes, and yeah. uh, like it, it just like, and I I now know how to feel it. Like yeah. I'll be on stage, but oh, I'm being a professor right now instead of a comedian. This yeah. is really stupid. Yeah. What am I? What, what the fuck do I know anyway? Yeah. Whereas like here, like you, like you 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 jump into it, establish credibility so quickly, and then um and then you're you're peeling it apart, and I I find like you did this maneuver I really loved um. You said, I know this is a touchy subject and da da da. Like you, you acknowledged so quickly and then moved right past that yeah. people are emotionally charged about this issue. You know who told me to do that? Um, this one comedian, Jeff McBride, and we're <laughs> working on it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, and he told me that. I think that this is so, okay. I think one of the main things with comedy is that. You I can, do love that you did that. I really love that you did that. I is think it it's great? wise to do that. Yeah, you have to, you have to let them know you're a fucking human. You have to be more, whatever you can, you can say whatever you want about like whatever passionate preachy thing, but it must be more funny than, than preachy. It just, yes. that's like yes. the line. And that's yes. what made it so hard. This, but, but I think it took at least two years before people even started laughing more than, just silence at, yeah. the, at the open mics and because it, it can't come off as preachy or it has to be more funny than preachy and yeah that let line the audience will let you know yeah mm-hmm. uh i also shout out to funny kid names you said brayden in there uh yeah. i have a cousin brayden who's nice. like four or five uh does he have add he'll, he'll probably develop it at some point uh if he stays focused enough uh I, I'm I'm doing a joke where I refer to a Upper West Side child in a separate bit where I talk about kids that doesn't involve anything creepy. Uh, I do an aside where I say, "Okay, Mason," and just the name yeah. Mason, people think is funny. Oh, I know, I know certain names. Yeah, um, 
but Brayden is a good one too. Thank uh, you. I, I also like how um, you sort of deftly, uh, I, I, I don't, in New York, I hear so much racial humor. I'm so over it. I'm so over it. It just, I just listened. I played a game with my friend last night who came to the, to the open mic where, um, cause he, I was saying there's so much racial humor and he's like, is it really that much? It's like, fine, let's make it a drinking game. Every time you hear it, you have to take a drink. He was fucking hammered by the end <laughs> of that mic. And, That's hysterical. And, uh, and so, um, the, you, but you very quickly got on and back off of, uh, the, you just made the little Chinese parent reference. Everybody got what you were going for and then back, and then you were, then you were back into the bit. I, I thought it was very quick in and out, um, really well used. It was like, it was like, um, like like a spice, yeah. And you're Indian, so that works. <laughs> Speaking of racial, humor. I'd, I'd be I would love to see you do that in uh, like uh, like Dallas, Texas. Who's this Indian guy coming here telling me how to raise my kids? You know, like I wonder if I wonder if a white conservative audience would perceive what you're saying as condescending toward white parents or white culture. I've done it like in venues that that's not in New York. That's actually one of my stronger bits outside of New York than yeah. it is. So, you know, cause the thing is I'm, I'm, uh, I make jokes about Indians, you yeah. know? Yeah, and, yeah. And so like people receive that yeah. even better. I think. And you lube us up like you lube us up with, uh, those first jokes about ADD. Like I, like the very funny, very, very, uh, um, Funny jokes. The very first jokes about I know you I was gonna make fun of you, but I knew you wouldn't pay attention, that kind of stuff. Like of course we all knew we were comics and we're smart. We knew where you you were going with that stuff. And I like that you lube up the audience with fun, cute stuff, but then you get into these like cultural uh observations. Awesome. All right. Well, um I think that's uh that's about it for clips we have to play today. And this was great. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks yeah, a lot. Thank you, uh, Patrick, for joining us. And, and um, Anything else you'd like to plug before we go? I would love to, uh, to have more Twitter friends, uh, Instagram friends. <laughs> you can find me on either at The you Whole know, Bear Report. Given what you're into, um, have you considered Snapchat? I, you know, I <laughs> downloaded it. I can't get into it. Oh man! Well, I mean, seriously, there's a, that's a demographic right there that I think. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just, I, you know, I, I think you know what I'm saying. There's so many animations. I, I could put cartoons on everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like photo and like Snapchat, just you on a motorcycle. I'm just, well, I'm going to get into, uh, I, I, I'm going to get into actual coloring books. People are into adult coloring books. I'm, I want to color with kids. Oh, this is so a quick little anecdote before we go. Um, I was at a, I was at a mic at the Grizzly Pear and, uh, there was, um, or no, it was actually, it was a show, and um, there was a, uh, there, were, there was an audience, and there was this just absolutely obnoxious 22, 23-year-old girl in the front row. She keeps fucking talking, so they finally just start engaging with her, and it turns out she's been on her phone the whole time, and it turns out she's some sort of, like, Snapchat internet celebrity. Um, yeah, right? It's, and, and, uh, and, and she's, like, sitting there, and, but the funny thing is, is that everyone in the room sort of looks down on Snapchat in a way, but the moment she said how many followers she had, which is above 5,000, yeah. then all of a sudden, all of the other... All oh, the pardon me, miss. Carry on, carry on. They, all they, the they desperate like, comics yeah, are like... Yeah, yeah, they all flipped, and they're like, oh, well, the Snapchat girl did it. Like, it was just like the yeah. moment they had this brush with fake fame. Like, oh. Uh, oh, so ridiculous. Yeah, don't even get me started on that shit. I could tell you stories about this Instagram kid. He... He'd post a photo and he'd have 
I think it would be like between three and four thousand likes within fifteen minutes. Wow. Like he had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers. Dude. It was so bizarre. It's great. And did you ever take him for a ride on in your sidecar? <laughs> 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 All right, you guys. Uh, thanks so much, Patrick. Thank you, Sandeep. Let's uh, uh, let's call it a day. Thanks, guys. Stand up comic, joke it up one time. Fun day. Sets. Let's talk about 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 sets. Let's talk about